2: Hi, everyone. I hope you're all shining bright. We're going to shine it up. Welcome to the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. Come join me on this journey as we unpack the Real Housewives of Melbourne, deep dive into all things that I do, spirituality, manifestation, self-empowerment, and being a psychic medium. And I'll chat to some friends along the way. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Shine It Up podcast. I can't believe we are up to episode 10 already. I hope that you all enjoyed last week's episode with the fabulous Chica keyboard. So what's been happening this week for me? So much. So... I'm sitting here. My babes, I can hear them crying, but Ben's taking care of them as I'm doing this podcast. My mum and dad are still here living with me because I just need the help. But I had a girlfriend come down from Sydney and a couple of other girlfriends locally, and they were all like, come on, we're going to take you out for dinner. And Ben was very much like, I think you should go for dinner. I think it's good for your mental health. I think you need to get out. It's been six weeks already. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to go anywhere. I wasn't feeling hundred percent good about myself emotionally and physically. That was just my feeling because I feel like I've just been in tracksuit pants all day, every day, you know, looking after the babies because it's been all about the babies. You know, my stomach still hasn't gone down. It's not about being vain. It's just about, you know, where you feel the best within yourself. And for me, You know, I'm still feeling like... And it's only been six weeks, so, you know, I can't be so hard on myself. But when you go out, you want to feel your best. And I just, even emotionally, wasn't feeling my best because of the sleep deprivation and being tired. So I took Ben's advice and I went out for dinner on Saturday night. And I have to say, I'm so glad I encouraged myself to get the heck up, get my makeup on, get my outfit on, put some music on, and actually got myself ready and I got up, shined up and I went out for dinner and I have to say I had the best time and I even hit a little nightclub and had a bit of a um, little dance to some R&B, to some salt and pepper, push it up, push it, but push it real good. It was like old school, man. I was loving myself sick and I felt like it really made a difference for me emotionally getting out, being with my girlfriends, having a laugh, talking about all the things that you talk about, when you're out having the best time, your families, your babes, and just getting some really good advice from my friends, you know. I have to be honest, I felt very guilty about going out and I never thought that I'd feel like that, but I did. And whilst I was out, I was messaging Ben about a million times and he was like, just enjoy yourself. The babies are sleeping. Everything's fine. But I felt like I was 70% there with my girls. And I felt like the other 30%, I was still back at home thinking, oh, my God, I hope Bonham and Rocco are, are just okay. And, and, of course, they are. But it's this mom guilt, man. I never knew that existed right until I gave birth. Now I know what all you mothers and fathers are talking about now. So my advice to women out there is don't feel guilty or try not to feel guilty when you're out. Try enjoy the moment when you're out with your friends because we all need that. We all need to feel like ourselves again. And um, just doing little things like getting my makeup on, getting myself ready, doing something for me, just for me, made me feel really, really good. It made me feel happy. It made me feel like I'm still here. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but that's what it felt like. Jack is still here and actually my girlfriend made a point. She actually said to me, I can't believe how quiet you are. She goes, you're usually the superstar of the, of the nights out. And she goes, you're so quiet. I said, I know. And she goes, but that's okay because she has two children and my other girlfriend has two children. And they are very much like, this is what happens. We've all been there. This is your first night out. We get it, I have to say. I enjoyed myself. I even stayed out till one o'clock in the morning or just before one. But to be fair, I didn't leave till late because I wanted to make sure that Bonham and Rocco were, you know, nearly down. So I actually feel like it's important for us as new mothers and not even just being a new mother, even, you know, important for you to have your time and prioritize self-care for yourself. Because when you do that, I feel like you're a better mother, you're a better lover, you're a better friend. And so I found it really, really, really good that I did listen to Ben and I'm glad that I did. And my night out was amazing. I I really enjoyed myself. I really did. Bonham looks like Ben and Rocco looks more like me. Bonham's feet look like little Benny's feet and Rocco's feet looks like my feet. And every time I see their little footsies, they're like, oh, my God, they're so cute. But Bonham has this, like, look and almost looks like this angry frown look every time he feeds. <laughs> so when he gets up and he goes, Wah! and I'm like, come on, little kitty pie, there's nothing to cry about. And then he just kind of calms down and it's really funny. And sometimes when he's, like, having a little cry or a little, I don't want to go to bed, Tanty, I put this song on and I kind of move around, and it's called Vio Mando. You know that Yo Bebo Vodka, the electronic song? If you haven't heard it, you've got to listen to it. And I'm telling you, when I bop around the bedroom because I love music and I love dancing, he kind of just goes boof and goes back to sleep. I'm like, oh, my God. And he goes, Jackie, that's going to wake them up like we're at a nightclub, but it's not. It's like, It could be 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm... I'm pumping this song, man, going around the room, boom, boom, boom for about a few minutes. And then he goes to bed. So it's really cute. And Rocco, Rocco's, he, uh, ro- it's actually uh, Rocco. I say Rocco. That's, that's the way we pronounce it. But I know eventually everybody will end up saying Rocco. So I go between Rocco or Rocco. So anyway, with him. He's more chilled. He just goes to bed straight away and he's more chubby And he's like, good, these little chubby cheeks. So cute. I have to say, you, I am starting to see these personalities and he's going like, like, oh my God, he's going, it's so cute. But I will say, going back to my night out, I'm one of these ladies that doesn't like to sit around talking about my babies all night long. That's me personally. I put myself in other people's position and think, God, if I was out for a night out and I don't get to go out much, I don't want to be sitting around talking about children all night long. No, boring. No, I want to know what's going on in your lives. Tell me everything. And that's how I feel because if I was, you know, out for dinner and that's all somebody talked about just all night long, I'd think, well, God, like, okay, I get it. Got beautiful babies. They're gorgeous. But we don't need to talk about that for six hours long. So I'm not one of those people. So- when I was out and everyone was like, how's the babies? like, look, they're beautiful. Here's some photos. Now let's get to you. What's going on with you? Because I always find it's always important to ask the other people that you're with, what's going on in your life? And, you know, discuss them a little bit. So, yeah. So there is a bit of change of personalities with my little babes. And um, I'm starting to see that slowly. Oh, I got lucky. They slept for four-hour interims last night and the night before and the night before. During the night, so I was like, oh, my God. Can you hear them in the background? I was like, Rah! Ben's over there reading them a book. It's so bloody cute. Oh, my God. What else has been going? You know, um, how's the changing? Oh, my God. I just, man, when they do those diarrhea shits, I will just go, oh, my God, quick. Let's get real. Oh, my God. It's like how can little babies produce so much diarrhea? <laughs> when they do their little... Kakas, which means poo in Croatian, and they just like look up at you, and you're cleaning it. And sometimes I'm like, please don't keep kakaying when I'm changing you, but it's it it cracks me up because Ben's such a pro at it. I'm not saying I'm not a pro at it, but it's just like every time you see, every time I see their little their little poos, I'm like, oh my god, that bigs come out of your small little body. Oh my god. And I actually, do you know what? When my girlfriend said to me. She goes, you'll always have mommy guilt. She goes, I don't think that ever goes away. And she goes, you've just got to do things that, you know, make you happy sometimes once a month or once a week, you know, whether that's going for a walk on the beach, just by yourself. Right. And I kind of welled up and I stopped myself from crying. Cause I'm not crying. And she just looked at me. She goes, Oh, Jackie, you know, I love you and I'll always be here for you. And, and I feel like when you got your friends that get you and understand you, it makes you want to just keep powering on and go, you know what? I've got this and you can lean on your friends to support you and, and your loved ones. And I know I say it every week, but really all the new mothers and even fathers out there, if you need help, ask, you just got to ask, you know, even if your friends want to come over and clean and cook you a meal, then let them do it. Let them do it. Take them up on that offer because I certainly have. I'm really blessed to have really good friends in my life. I really. They're like my family. I even got out and watched the James, the James Bond movie. And I still felt guilty there. I was writing messages to my mum, how are the babies, even though they were sleeping. But, yeah, that was another date night I had out with Ben. Went had a sneaky movie night and I got the 8.40 session, p.m. session because I thought if I get that session, then the babes will be down, one of Morocco will be down and I won't have to feel as guilty that they're up with my mum and dad. So, yes, I feel like I'm slowly just... You know taking one day at a time but slowly making myself social again actually tomorrow we go to the doctors for their injections their six weeks injections i don't know how i'm going to feel about that but you know i don't like seeing them cry when they cry i'm like oh don't cry you know you give them a little cuddle so i might just say ben you might have to just hold the babes while they get their little injections I feel like I'm in a bit of a vibe, you know, like Ben and I do everything at the same time with the babies because if, if we didn't, we just wouldn't have any time to sleep. So we feed them, we bath them, we put them down to sleep at the same time. And, um, and we find that that works best for, for Ben and I. It was really such a great blessing to announce our names, Bonham and Rocco, because so many people like, oh, my God, we love the names, the baby names. And, you know, a lot of people actually said Rocco. Like when I was looking at the um, what names do you think and I put it up on my social media posts, so many people said Rocco. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so great. (sighs) I'm always tired. Does that ever go away? Apparently not for 18 years. (laughs) I actually feel glad that everybody knows Bonham Aroco's names. Everybody has been so supportive of those names and everybody loves them. And, and really, those names do suit our little babies. Do you know the babies look like little cabbage patch dolls? They look so bloody cute. I feel too. I I've, I've get a lot of messages from a lot of ladies. And please don't think that I don't read them. I mean, I do read some because I get thousands of messages and, you know, between you know, looking after the babies and trying to read messages. It sometimes can be hard, but I do get through them. And I have to say a lot of messages have been so positive. A lot of you ladies out there and even some of the hubbies have reached out to me and said, Jackie, because you've opened up about your IVF journey on the Real Housewives of Melbourne and your miscarriage and what you went through, it really opened up the conversation for our families or people at work. And that makes my heart sing, man. When I get those messages, I just think that is so amazing. This is why I wanted to do this podcast, to open up the conversations of all things, of all subjects. And I feel that, and I'll say it again, any person that's gone through IVF knows it's not an easy journey and knows that, it's very emotional and you have to have support when you go through that because if you don't, it can be really, really difficult. So when I receive those beautiful messages on my social media, Jackie, you're inspiring me to open up and, and speak my truth about my miscarriage or the IVF I'm going through and it makes me feel better and it gives me hope and it keeps me going in a positive way. So that makes my heart sing. So keep those messages coming. And a lot of you are saying that you're loving listening to my podcast and what I've experienced and that a lot of you have connected with some of my experiences. And that makes my heart sing too. And I feel like once that conversation's open, the only thing that can happen from there is great things for us as women and men, moving forward in whatever capacity or whatever it is that we're actually doing, whether it's IVF, whether it's in relationships, whether it's things we've experienced, the hurt, the pain, the fear, the excitement, the happiness, the joy, you know, it's all part of what we're here as human beings to to go through. That's my belief. You know, I don't think I shared this, but when I was going through IVF, you know, I talk about manifestation a lot with my guests and I've been a manifester for a long time and I've been doing vision boards for a long time and and I do a lot of creative visualizations and I'm a believer that your thoughts create your experiences. At the beginning of IVF, I bought this little jumpsuit that said two peas in a pod. It's just like a little baby jumpsuit. When I was going through IVF, I, ha- I had that in my drawer where I would look at it every morning and tell myself that I am pregnant and I give thanks for my pregnancy. I would tell the universe What's really interesting, two peas in a pod, twins. I don't know why I bought that, but I bought that and I just felt it was that I need to share that I felt that looking at that particular jumpsuit, the baby jumpsuit was my way of keeping faith and creating the experience that I was going to be a mother. And that was part of holding my faith and the dream that I had of my grandmother coming to me. And as a lot of you know that I've watched The Real Housewives of Melbourne in season one and season three. I, I say both Chi Cheeky and Ben that I have a feeling I'm going to have twins. And that was years ago. And so it's just sometimes like crazy when I look back at all the things I've created. But yeah, I just wanted you guys to know that that's what I used to do. So when I was sad and when I was a bit down and out, I would pull out that little jumpsuit and look at it and keep my faith. I've been trying to watch Invasion. I've been trying to watch the rest of the show C. I'm still watching the Ultimate Girls Trip Away, which is cracking me up. But I really don't have much time for TV because when I sit down, listen to this, when I sit down to actually watch something, I hear a rah, and I'm like, that's my little bottom Morocco," and I'm going to get back up. Mate, I don't need to go to the gym because the amount of times I'm up and down, up and down running around, oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to tell you guys something, right? This is just a thought that came into my head because I know a lot of you women will appreciate this. So, you know, when you go in, any person that's having a cesarean or even if you're having a natural birth, and I was told by some of my friends that when you give birth, you know, the nurses will come in and they literally will grab your nipple and, you know, latch your baby onto your nipple and say, now you need to feed your baby. And I was so wigged out by that, that I was like, nobody's going to grab my boob or my nipple and tell me that the baby's going on the breast without my permission. Do you know what I mean? Like it just, this is before I had babies. So, you know, I had all these thoughts running through my mind. It was so funny. I remember this when I came out of um, the theater, I was so tired because the drugs that I had received and, and they were talking to me and I couldn't feel my legs from all the drugs they gave me. And, and I was just in another bloody world and I was like trying hard not to fall asleep, but I was falling asleep thinking, Oh my God, like they're going to make me try and breastfeed now. And I just can't literally get up, but they didn't do that because they knew I couldn't get up. Anyway, so one of the nurses comes over, midwives, and she goes to me, So, do you mind if I grab your boob? And I said, you might be grabbing, no, do not grab my nipple. Do not grab my boob. We're not doing that. By the time they wheeled me up to the, um, to my room, I have to tell you that it was almost like I didn't give a shit about having my boobs out, somebody helping me latch the baby onto my nipple. And I never thought I'd be like that. But really it is funny that everything that a lot of the ladies have said to me, once you give birth, there is no modesty. Your boobs are out the pumps are out. I literally walk around my house and think, oh my God, bloody hell, I hope the neighbors don't see me. In my underwear, pumping, trying to breastfeed, doing this and doing that. And that's my everyday everyday existence. And I've got to a point where I don't give a shit who sees me. (laughs) So let's get to the Real Housewives of Melbourne. Sunday night was episode eight of the Real Housewives of Melbourne. So I'm just going to get straight to the points here. Okay. Straight to the points, the points that I enjoyed. The thing that I absolutely adore is Janet Roach's tea ad, raw essentials tea ad. Listen, I was in there living my best life. I can't wait to see the end product because doing this tea ad, I would do anything for Janet Roach. She's my best friend. I will support her in every way as she supports me. And I really had a lot of fun doing it, but. The best bit is we're all going away for a girls' weekend away to Janet Roach's Beach House in Flinders. So I remember when um, Roach said, look, let's all do a girls' weekend away at my place, and I thought, oh, my God, how is this going to go down? There is going to be arguments and nobody will be able to leave anywhere or go anywhere because there's no hotel rooms to get back to anybody's place if anybody got into an argument is like two hours. So I thought, oh my God. But you know what? I had the best time and I had the best room. So we all know I'm Janet's bestie and she's mine. So of course I'm going to get the best room. And I'm the pregnant woman, man. So Roach gives me the best room. We arrive in Flinders for this weekend away. I felt the energy was good really, to be fair. And it was a really good weekend. Nobody argued, nobody crapped on. Like we all just had a really good girls fun night. Oh my God. But the I have to tell you, like the more tequila these women drank, and because I was the only sober one, it was almost like, heart, this is hilarious. I actually enjoyed waking up with no hangover, and everybody else had a hangover. Kyla, oh my God, there was one point, she was just a total mess, man. She was in the toilet, spewing up. I'm thinking, what happened to you, champagne dame? (laughs) Oh my God, you can't keep up, girl. Oh, you know what else? We all ended up dancing on Janet Roach's um, coffee, not coffee, oh, we did do it on the coffee table as well as the dining table. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, if her partner sees this footage, he's going to go off because their table is a very expensive one. But we're just, oh, my God. And Simone, she was bloody diving in like she's diving in the pool. Oh, it was it threw down the bloody slippery slide. It was hilarious. So we had a really good weekend. And i tell you what I really liked, seeing the end result of the tea ad. The raw essentials, to seeing that, I was like, listen, I've got a speaking part. and So to Gamble, the rest of you didn't. No, well, don't get cut. Beautiful Gamble's music video. I absolutely adore one thing about Gamble, and that is that she follows her dreams. I'm a believer no matter what age you are, where you're at, what you're doing in your life, you should always follow your dreams. And it's never too late to follow your dreams, ever. And the one thing that Gamble always does is she always does things that's going to make her heart sing or she'll make an effort and be, she'll be passionate and committed about things that she really wants to do in her life. And one of those things that she loves to do is music. And her music clip that you'll see, Baron Joey Road, which is about going to her grandmother's house back in Palm Beach and really enjoying those memories. And I have to say that, Gamble, it was so sweet to see her so raw because she was so nervous about her live music launch and she did a really good job. And guys, you should get on Apple Music and have a listen to her song. It's actually a really beautiful song. But I will say I did have a gut feeling that something was gonna go down. And look, people can say, Jake, you were watching a show. Of course you're gonna have a gut feeling. No. What people don't understand is when we go to the shoot, we've got to get mic'd up. And I had no idea that Rochi, Janet was having a conversation with Simone and I had no idea that Simone and Kyla had had a previous conversation about Janet and this whole thing about Janet rummaging and going through Angela's apartment that never happened. I have to say- I actually felt nervous. I remember sitting, getting mic'd up, and I said to the producer and and the guy, um Benny, who's a really good friend, actually, he's a he's the mic guy that mics us all up. I've known him for years since I started the Real Housewives of Melbourne. He's become a firm friend to Ben and I. Anyway, I said something's going to go down, man. He goes, Really? What do you reckon? I said, I can feel it, and I said it's got something to do with Kyler and Roachie, and we knew nothing. So you got to understand, we knew nothing. We don't know what's going to be said, what's going to come up. And so when I walked into Gamble's launch, Janet just had walked in. I didn't have time to really speak to her. I was like, hey girl, how are you? She's like, good. And she grabbed herself a drink and we're listening to Gamble's launch, which was absolutely amazing. Gamble did such a great job. And it was just nice to see Gamble in her element. And after Gamble had actually sang her song, I didn't know that this conversation between Simone and Janet had taken place. So when we all sat down afterwards at the table, I could feel the energy there. Something was going to go down. I could see Janet's face like shock horror and even when I saw the um, episode of Janet when she was being told by Simone that Kyla had inferred that she broke and entered into um, Angela's apartment that never happened by the way drop the mic never happened you could see the shock horror of Janet Roach's face absolute shock horror and in the whole time I've done the Real Housewives of Melbourne I've never seen Janet so shocked that's legitimate when it all started kicking off, I didn't even know that conversation took place. I didn't even know that things that Kyla had said to Simone had even been said. And so for me, that reaction of mine, I was in shock because I was like, are you serious? Are you actually implying that Roshi was going through people's houses? Like, what the fuck? This is next next level, man. And for me, I was like, this is just gone. it's It's just gone next level. And then when Kyla got really angry and upset and I went after her. The one thing is I don't want to see anybody upset, really. That's the truth. But I also wanted Kyla to understand that Roichi has every right to ask her those questions because you're basically assassinating a character man and inferring criminal behavior. That's just, like, outrageous. You know, and I wanted her to come back to the group and tell Janet exactly what her thoughts are on what she said to Simone. But that never happened. She just cracked and she she ran off. But I feel like if everybody had sat down and had a conversation about Angela, this apartment, all these things, then it wouldn't have gotten to this level, but it obviously has. I don't believe that Rachie deserves to be labeled as someone who broke into another woman's apartment. It doesn't matter if the actual words broken into were never used. It was inferred very, very clearly. And like I said, in the six years that I've done this show, I've never seen Janet as shocked as the night she found out about this. The horror on her face says it all. And I do want to say, here's what really happened before we had Angelie's pool party was sitting in a holding site, like a side room before the party started. It's like a holding room where we all get mic'd up and we have some nibbles. I mean, the nibbles are all chocolates and chips and lollies and I eat them all. <laughs> She should see me I'm like sitting there going, just give me the chocolates and lollies. I never eat so much chocolates and lollies than I do when I'm filming. Or oh, maybe I do in my everyday life because I do love chocolates and lollies. Anyway, so I was sitting in a holding side room before the party started. And at the time, Janet thought we may have been in Anjali's apartment and she asked me if that was where we were. But I said, no, this is just a holding room. There was a cupboard in there and right she opened it and she had a quick look inside. That was it. That's all she did. She didn't go around looking for things and she wasn't rummaging around. I'll keep saying this over and over and over because that's the truth. I don't know why it's gone from us being in a holding room to Janet being in Angela's apartment. And why would Kyla tell Angelie that? That's where my headspace was at. In the episode where you actually see Kyla visit Angelie at home, you can clearly see Kyla didn't think that the cameras weren't showing what she was saying to Angelie under the breath. And this is what I really want to make very abundantly clear. You can also hear Kyla say to Angeli and infer Janet was in your house and Angelie and Angeli says very, very clearly, no, she wasn't. And Kyla says, yes, she was. The point that I'm trying to make is that Angelie knows that Roji wasn't in her apartment, but for her to want to go and get video Bloody security footage, that's because a maid inferred that the woman was in a house when she clearly wasn't. And and I think that is why Rochi is so angry. And then Kyla walks off and you don't get to um hear why she said it. Oh my god. And I'm bloody shock horror trying to chase bloody Kyla, pregnant, mind you, rubbing my belly, looking like a Buddha, and that's that. So, like I said, I think that if Everyone had just sat down, had a conversation and said, this is what I think, this is where I'm at, this is what I believe. I think if we kind of done that as a group, then maybe Angeline might not have left. Maybe we wouldn't have got to this situation where we have Kyla and Janet or Kyla accusing Janet of being in her home and all these insinuations that doesn't need to be there. So you have to keep watching The Real Housewives of Melbourne to see what else unfolds, my friends. That is my... Recap for the Real Housewives of Melbourne and my thoughts on this week's episode. Next week's going to kick off too because next week's my podcast, boys and girls, my, my live podcast with Julian Morris. That is exciting. So you guys will all have to tune in. So this week I am joined by the beautiful and iconic international superstar, Michelle Branch. So Michelle and I met through my gorgeous husband, Ben Gillies. Ben was writing some music with Michelle Branch. We went to the States and I've known her for quite a few years. Michelle is one of the most humble, gorgeous, beautiful people you'll ever meet. And I felt like I really wanted her on my my podcast just so she could talk a little bit about her life and how she got to where she got to. But I'm so excited for you guys to hear our chat. Michelle is so spiritual and has so many interesting stories about how synchronized events have played out during her life. We're gonna shout it. Hello,
0: Michelle Branch.
2: Welcome to the show not with Jackie
0: Gillies Podcast. I'm so happy to have you on my show. I love you so much. Like so much has happened since we've actually seen each other physically. You're pregnant with baby number three. And I, I just adore Owen and Reese. And now I can't wait to see the third child. And what's going to happen, boy or girl?
1: You know what? I got a call today from the nurse. They did the genetic testing and they said, everything looks great. And we know the gender. Do you want to know? And I was like, no, I don't. And She was very cheeky with me. She's like, well, if you change your mind, I know what it is. And I was like, don't tempt me. This is my last baby. And I have a boy and a girl. So... I just want to be surprised and enjoy this last um, little surprise I can have. When I was pregnant with Owen and pregnant with Reese, I had to know. And for some reason this time, I'm just like very committed to not knowing. <laughs> well, ask me, ask me like in a few more months. I don't know. If Patrick seems to think that I'm not going to make it, <laughs> that I'm going to cave and want to know. My psychic so we'll
0: vibe is you're going to want to know. Does Pat know?
1: Pat doesn't know. No. I reckon he's
0: going to want to know too when it gets close up.
1: I have to say my feeling is that I'm having a girl because I'm craving the exact same things I did when I was pregnant with Owen. There's a 50-50 chance. (laughs) My my mother-in-law, she was a nurse for a while. And so she made a comment the other day on the heart rate. And she was like, oh, you know, it's probably a boy. And I was like, what? Why, (laughs) Why do you think that? And she's like, the heart rate would be higher if it was a girl. And I was like, okay, so now I really just don't know I'm not against finding out the gender. Like I've looked at the Chinese gender calendars. I'm happy to guess for like
0: five more months. So. Do you know when I was getting ready or trying to put myself together? I feel like nothing's together today. Me, <laughs> me, me either. Is, oh actually, you look gorgeous. It.
1: We're in the same boat, Jackie. Um, but you know what I love the most is our our time difference. Like you're the person that I talk to before bed. Like you always get me like right before bed. And- yes,
0: yes, and vice versa. You're yeah. not up in the morning having a cafè or coffee, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to know how Michelle's going. So if you've all been living. Under a Rock. Michelle is a Grammy Award winning artist. She has been an actress as herself in the huge hit TV shows Buffy, Charmed and One Street. The one thing I can say about Michelle is for all the success she's created within herself, she is so humble, and this is why I believe Life Attracts Life. I, I get along with Michelle so well, and so does my husband, Ben, only because of the person she is. And there's a lot of people in this industry that don't have the humbleness Michelle Branch has. And Michelle, it's true, you keep it 100. Thank I love you. it. So let's start from the beginning. I want to hear about where you actually grew up and what was your family yes. life like?
1: So I grew up in a very small town in Arizona called Sedona, it's known for its red rock. The landscape actually looks a lot like Australia. <laughs> My father's a plumbing contractor. My mom is a stay-at-home mom and managed restaurants. And I basically just started singing as soon as I could talk. I was three years old and just singing. And I'm interested in your reaction to this. My mom is Dutch-Indonesian. And she had a like, long-lost cousin or someone visit from Holland when I was really small. Me and my little sister Nicole were always putting on pageants and stuff and singing and entertaining my parents' friends when they were over. And one of the friends that was there with my mom's cousin claimed to be psychic. And he told my mom when I was about six years old, he said, Your daughter's going to be a famous singer. My mom was told that when I was young, but I just, I was always singing.
0: Yeah, you, you know, when you asked for my reaction, as soon as you started the story, I just knew it's the angels talking via this person, like really, they knew where you were headed and the energy just followed through. I mean to wake up and be born and start seeing at the age of three, it was already innate in you. And as I kind of focus off because I'm hearing messages about you now, I just feel that there is no such thing as coincidences and I feel that this is your life's purpose. And that purpose has become more instrumental to inspiring other people. It wasn't just about you, it was about being bigger than you. And I think that, not well, I think, I know, because I've been around your energy and I've, you know, hung around you personally over, you know, when I've come to the States and I just see how many people just kind of flock to you. And when you start talking, you really do inspire people and you don't even know it. Oh. Did you know that you wanted to be a musician? Like when was the moment I feel like the universe was already moving things for you, but when was the moment you went, this is what I need to be
1: <laughs> I have a very vivid memory of being in the back seat of my mom's car. And she had a girlfriend in the front seat and they piled their kids in the back and Fleetwood Mac song came on. Thunder always happens when it's really? raining. And my mom and her friend were singing it along to the radio and turning it up. And I, Remember listening to it in the back, I had to have been about five years old and I was just like, this is the coolest thing ever. I listened to the music, I was listening to the words and my mom and her friend were talking about how Stevie Nicks is from Arizona. And I think for any young girl to know someone that they admire is from the same place they are is really inspiring. And yeah, just from the time I was young, I just, it's all I wanted to do.
0: I just love that because I always... I always look at, and when I do, the reason I started this podcast is because I feel it was an actual extension for me to be able to talk to people that have attained success, but how they've attained it and how the universe is made things happen in their lives, like synchronized events, in order to, you know, become who they are, but also how that inspires other people. So it's almost like within that energy, you knew from a young girl that that's what you wanted to do. You felt the energy of the music. You were singing from a young girl, you know, listening to Fleetwood Mac in that moment of being the age of five. It's almost like something resonated within your soul. What was the big break for you?
1: So I... I asked for a guitar for my 15th birthday, 14th birthday. And I had originally asked for piano and my parents said, no way. We have no room in our house for piano. They're so expensive. Like yeah, you're yeah. probably going to take it up for a week and then, you know, quit. We're not going to do this. And I kept begging and begging and begging for a guitar. And it happens that my mother's father played guitar and his guitar was passed down to my uncle. And my uncle said, Hey, if Michelle's interested in guitar I'll let her borrow mine for a while. And if she's serious at it, you know, then we can talk about buying a guitar or whatever. So that was kind of, that was the agreement my parents came to was like, if you are serious enough with this, like
0: we can talk about buying you a guitar.
1: So my uncle gave me his guitar with a Neil Young chord book, a Cat Stevens chord book. And, you know, I would never played guitar before and I locked myself in my bedroom and, and I knew these songs in the songbook. So I just tried to learn them as well as I could. And my parents say that like two weeks after getting the guitar, I came out in the living room and said, I want to play you a song. And they said, oh, okay. You know, they mute the TV. Like, okay, Michelle, what do you want to do? <laughs> I started playing a song and they said, wow, that's really good. What song is that? We don't recognize it. And I said, I wrote it. It's the song I've, I've been writing. And they were like, wait, response. what? So... I just immediately started writing songs and I was always making songs up in my head before I knew how to play an instrument. I remember sitting on the swing at school when I was a young girl and just making up songs in my head always. So at that point I just became so completely obsessed with learning how to play guitar, writing. I hope my daughter doesn't hear this because I don't want her to get any ideas. She's a junior this year in high school. I convinced my parents to let me leave high school. Basically, <clears throat> I staged a, a sit-in. I, one morning, my dad came to wake me up for school and I locked my bedroom door and I told him I wasn't going to school, that I had to work on my music, that school was a waste of time. And my dad was very frustrated with me. And that night at the dinner table, he just turned to my mom and he said, you know, why does she have to go to school? (laughs) And that was my victory moment. My dad is such a sweet guy. He's a dreamer. And he said, life is so long and miserable if you're not doing something you love. And... So we looked into options for me to go to art school. We lived in a very remote area. There was nothing like that. So we came to the conclusion that I could go through correspondence courses, like basically homeschool through a university at home. And it would allow me to focus on music. So I quit high school and did school that way. And it allowed me to work on music. And immediately I started kind of putting my own little album together of demo tapes and uh i got a call one day
0: this is the goosebumps i love (laughs) well
1: i'm laughing i'm laughing because you said things aren't easy and i was like well you'll hear yeah hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank The way this happened, it was just so fast. I had been playing state fairs and festivals locally. There aren't many gigs a teenage girl can find because most of the places that had live music were bars and I wasn't old enough to get into them. I played at my mom's restaurant certain nights, but the minute that it got rowdy, I would be kind of booted out of the bar. Um, But I got a call from... A family friend who was a timeshare salesman. And she said, Hey, Michelle, someone is here. They say they're from Los Angeles and they're in the music business. You should come down here with a tape. And my dad was at work. My mom was at work. I'm homeschooled. I don't have a driver's license. I go to my neighbor's house and I ask them if I can borrow their golf cart. I had a tape that. You know, I had mixed myself. I cut a picture. I cut a picture of myself out of a family photo and stuffed it in the jacket. And I drove down there and I I waited for this guy to get out of this timeshare meeting. And clearly, like pretty annoyed, he's like, "Oh, okay, nice to meet you. Um, Yeah, Yeah. I'll take your tape. I'll listen to it." Just kind of blew me off. And it just so happens that his girlfriend at the time was also in the music business. And they had a long drive back to Los Angeles and they got in an argument (laughs) on the way. There was awkward silence in the car. So he put my tape in the car and was like, holy shit, this is really good. I need to call this girl back. He was one of the guys who was instrumental in discovering the brother band, Hanson.
0: Hanson, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: yeah, so he sent my tape to them and said, what do you think I should do? Give me advice. And they were like, well, actually, we need an opening act on tour. <laughs> Could she open for the L.A. show and the ah, Phoenix show? Yes. And at the same time, he sent the tape to a guy named Danny Strick, who had just started a job at Maverick Records. And yeah. he said, you know, what what advice do you have? And he said, you know, she's playing at the Wiltern Theater opening up for Hanson. You should come and tell me what you think. So my first show, my first big show that wasn't a local show, I opened up for Hanson at the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles, just me and a guitar. And Danny Strick was waiting for me side stage after I played. And he said, hi, I work for Maverick Records. I want to offer you a record deal. And that was it. And literally almost a year to the day, I was finishing my debut record and the rest is history
0: it's just yeah. it's just <laughs> um, it was meant to happen like that, including the argument. It's almost like if that argument didn't happen, it was like a catalyst for them to put that music on Said hours to just keep listening to your voice and what you've written. Oh, I just love it thinking universe. I get so excited about about how the universe makes things into or kind of fruition comes, and your manifestations. I'm a believer that what you think is what you experience. So without really knowing the power of of your mind and the thoughts that you think, you are literally banging away, writing your own tunes and seeing yourself singing to people that you didn't even know. And it's like it manifested itself so quickly. And I always say that, when you have children, there's something that I definitely will be teaching my children is how to visualize very quickly because children don't have the responsibilities we do as adults. So this is why it takes so long for a lot of adults. Even when you are successful and then you get to age of 30 or 25, all the other responsibilities start coming in and it kind of stops you from um, manifesting quickly. But with children, they're very good at visualizing and daydreaming. This is why things happen much quicker. Your experiences are very much similar to... Ben and Silverchair, how it all happened because they started at a very young age and your stories kind of correspond to how his music career kicked off and I and I always say to Ben that you aren't where you are today because of just being an amazing musician. You're there because I believe the universe wanted you to be there to inspire so many people outside yourself and it's a bigger picture.
1: And to even more full circle, I'm pretty sure I had a Silverchair poster <laughs> in my room. And was, yeah, and and love the first few records and yeah. saw they were young when they got started. Mm-hmm. It was really incredibly inspiring to me. So it's just funny how, you know, years later we were meeting. And,
0: <laughs> you know, it was funny. One day, your sister, Nicole, who's absolutely beautiful, she's a great singer too. She's an actress, she's an artist. They're all a very artist family, guys. I remember uh, I was sitting out for dinner and Nicole goes to me, I just want to tell you something I said, yeah. She goes, you know, that was my heartthrob. <laughs> I just went, Daddy's so magazine oh wait. you're so hot stay away from me because it's not your heart <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but we were meant to find each other we
0: were we were let's go on to the next question so uh, a lot of people know how did you handle those first years being a teenager when your career actually blew up so big like how did you handle that
1: well what you said about the last question I really resonate with. And I, I've said in a similar way, but you articulated it perfectly was when you're young, you, you aren't afraid of anything yet. Yeah. And you believe if, if you believe something, you believe it so wholeheartedly Humbley. Yes, that failure isn't an option. And yes. I really think that if I had been, you know, 25 30 years old, trying to do it, the self-doubt would have crept in the little voice saying, no, maybe you should try it this way or no, maybe you should try it that way. So I do think that my age was on my side because I was like, no, this is what I'm doing and this is how I'm doing it and it's going to work. So I had that kind of outlook going into it. And I have to say, I'm, I'm still very, very close to A lot of the people involved in my first record, even though I don't necessarily work with a lot of them anymore, a lot of us became family. And because of my age, I think a lot of them kind of like took me under their wing and really were looking out for me and we became really close. That being said, I did have my moments of growing pains of when you're a teenager and you think you're an adult and I was... Put in all of these situations where I was making adult decisions about, yeah, you know, tours and what to pay people yeah, and what yeah, gonna to that. do. But then you still are a kid and it was like a rebellious teenager mm-hmm. phase, I think, <laughs> but <laughs> on a much bigger scale. And then you add in like exhaustion from traveling internationally and never having a day off there were hard moments and i think i the way i rebelled was i got married really young i ended up meeting my first husband teddy he was my bass player in my band yeah. he was 19 years my senior nobody approved i mean nobody
0: because of course they did like <laughs> they would have been old school like the adults like, do you think you're doing <laughs> bye so,
1: everyone lost it when we were dating. And when I told them it was serious and I mean, I got calls from people like my publishing company at my record, record company. company. Like, this isn't good. Like you're jumping in too fast. So of course, what did that make me want to do? Sure. Jump in even further. Oh. So we ended up getting married and having my daughter, Owen. And I remember how well that went over when I told the label that their oh. teen artist was, pregnant. <laughs> but really looking back at yeah. it, it was me trying to kind of grasp some control
0: yeah. of my yeah. life, life and
1: stability. You know, I have beautiful Owen to show for it. I'm, I'm no longer married to her dad. We made it almost 11 years, which is a really good run. And we're very friendly That is a good still, run, but yeah, that was my way of kind of navigating the chaos was to try to kind of have my own home that yeah. I could go back to.
0: Do you know what's interesting about that? You went into, you morphed straight into the next question I was going to ask, and that was, so you had a massive career highs and then you gave birth to your first daughter, Owen, when you're 22. How did you juggle this booming music career, having a child and touring with a new baby, or did you not too old? Did you, did you stop music for a minute, or did you give yourself a break? or
1: What happened? I found out I was pregnant with Owen. Two weeks after I'd finished a record, a side project record of a country duo I had called The Records. It wasn't planned, but as you know, everything happens completely for a reason. Yeah, And because I was pregnant with Owen, our record got pushed back. And in that time that it got pushed back, it was supposed to be just released on Maverick Records, Warner yeah. Brothers. In that time frame of it getting pushed, someone from Nashville, from Warner Nashville heard it and said oh my God, this belongs in Nashville. This record belongs in Nashville. So they took it to Nashville. And I said, you know, I have to have my daughter first. Like I can't yeah, of be course. on tour. It was a w- weird time for me because I ended up being on tour till I was about six months pregnant.
0: Six months which pregnant. I do,
1: which I do not recommend. <laughs> I remember very vividly. I remember very, very vividly rolling into San Francisco at like twelve forty five. At night after a show and getting to the hotel and looking for room service. And they said, Oh, sorry, we're not 24 hour room service. And crying (laughs) and calling my tour manager, like, I'm starving and there's no room service. It's almost one in the morning. It was hard. I ended up touring when Owen was little. Her dad was my bass player, like I said. So we just took her on the road with us. And she really grew up on the road. She lived on the tour bus on tour with us till so she was probably like four years old. She sure loved I'd, it anyway, you know, she loved it. I mean, she saw so, every town we would go to, we would go to a museum or a, yeah, yeah. an aquarium or have all these activities. And, and it helped me usually when you're on tour, you, you're so exhausted. You end up sleeping all day till sound yeah. check. You go, you play the show. You don't really see the towns you're visiting and having Owen with me really opened a new window if we would get into a town and I would actually be I w- wasn't keeping rock star hours and I would be up and with her and exploring the town and so it you know, forced you to, uh, to make that
0: balance yeah like they want going to say yeah. balance like to have that rest hang out with your child without having to sit up all night long and drink or you know yeah do you know what I mean? So it's kind of pushed you. It pushed you to um, do what you have to do. So moving forward, I want to know how you manifested your amazing husband, Patrick, Kami, who is also the drummer for Black Keys, and co-founder Black Keys. And who doesn't love a drummer? I mean, hello. But how did you I manifest know. him, girl? Like, you, and I, you and I
1: have figured out the drummers are the best the best ones in the band.
0: They are. They're the ones that drive it. Tell me everything. How did you
1: manifest Pat? So the weird thing about Patrick is we were in the same place at the same time. So many times before we actually met. He was signed to Warner Brothers as well. And so there's pictures of us. It's the same Grammy parties. And we had all the same friends circle.
0: Well, these are different spontaneous times.
1: Different spontaneous times. (laughs) And he... And he was married twice before. Yeah. When I first met him the very first time, he was married to his ex-wife Emily. I was married yeah. to Teddy. Yeah. And we were, you know, at a hotel in California about around the Grammys and met. They were lovely. And they ended up hanging out with my sister that night. I had to go yeah. home to relieve the babysitter. And yeah. you yeah. know, Owen was yeah. small. And so yeah. I was like, oh, I can't I can't hang out. And my sister ended up staying. And Patrick was just so nice and his ex-wife, Emily, was really nice too. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't like a instant romantic thought at all. Yeah. And we crossed paths maybe one other time before then. We followed each other on Instagram yeah. and knew, knew so many people in common. I was working on a new record and I knew, I said, I, I want to find someone who can be like my partner in this, like almost like a bandmate. I want a producer who is a musician and he was on my list. I asked someone at the record label, I said, hey, I want yeah. Patrick from the Black Keys to listen to my demos. I was out a night night or two before the Grammys and yeah. had some friends in town and we're out at a bar. And one of my friends said, hey, I just got invited to a, a party at the Chateau Marmont, Patrick Carney from the Black Keys. And I was like, oh, really? Can I go? And he was like, very weird about it like i was a clinger on who's trying to go to a party i was not invited to and i was like no i know them like i've met them of before. Course. and i was like let me come along i showed up and patrick had just broken his shoulder crushed his shoulder in a body surfing accident <laughs> so he was he was sitting <laughs> in the gone. corner kind of everyone around was partying and he was just like kind of drinking a beer in the corner like uh And I walked up to him and I was like, I've been trying to find you. Um, I want, would you be interested in producing my record? And he was like, really me? And I was like, yeah, I love uh, the tennis record that you did. And, and would you just humor me by listening to some demos? And he was like, oh my God, I'd love to hear it. You know, send it to me. And we ended up chatting like the whole evening. We started making a record. I was dating someone at the time. One day, Patrick was like two hours late to the studio. The engineer and I were like, what is something wrong? Like we're calling him. We're like, oh God, I hope everything's okay. And he showed up late to the studio and he arrived and he's like, my wife says she wants to get divorced. and, And I'm sorry we got in like this massive fight. I went home and I broke up with my boyfriend that day. By the end of the record, we were dating, so.
0: I remember when we were in L.A. and I said to you, you're going to end up marrying a musician, and I felt he was a drummer. I believe the universe, again, makes these things happen so you appreciate the the soulmate that came for you. And, the, you know, like in looking at the synchronised events, you have that vibe that you want to to produce your, your song. You wanted to find your soulmate. I remember that so yeah. clearly. You had written down the things that you um, wanted in a relationship And you were very forceful to the universe that I want someone to love me for who I am, it's not judgmental, that allows me to be who I am without any jealousy, without um, any stunt with my growth. And Pat is all of that combined in one like he is, he allows you to be you, and that is what true love is. Oh my god, when you found out you're pretty with Reese, did you just go, (laughs) This is just all happening?
1: So you're going to like this story. My wedding was supposed to be a year before. Oh, I, know. It happened.
0: I know. I would have I made that.
1: Yeah. We had the date reserved. The wedding was happening. It was the weirdest day. So Patrick's uncle, Ralph, who was the person who inspired him the most to, to start playing music. He was a successful musician. Yeah. Um, he had an accident where he got home from a gig late at night. And he fell downstairs and had a head injury. Oh, and ah. we get this call that his uncle is in the hospital and it's not looking good. We're on pins and needles waiting for a call from everyone. That's and insane. in that window, I'm like, where's my period? <laughs> uh, oh, I'm going to no pee goodness. on a stick. Yes. And um, I peed on a stick and I was like, Okay, there's a line. It's faint, but there's a line. Patrick's uncle ended up passing. And on the same day, I found out I was pregnant. This story gets weirder. So it was it was a heavy day. I mean, Patrick was crying. He, he lost oh. someone so close to him and also found out I was pregnant on the same day. It was a very strange day. We found out later that Patrick's Uncle Ralph was named after an uncle ralph and that he was nicknamed reese and that everyone called ralph reese because his initials were rc and nobody knew this until after we had reese and named him reese everyone was like
0: so you named him reese you you name
1: yeah so i mean it really is like it shows the cycle of life and it was hard to lose ralph and it was very cathartic of to course. be bringing in new life after it. But the way it happened, I feel like other kind of strange, spooky things happened around it. But yeah, it was definitely one of those kind of hair standing up on the back of your neck moments of when we found out that Ralph's namesake was, (laughs) was nicknamed
0: Reese. I truly believe that not only was Reese meant to come, but when there's a death, there's always a birth within a family. And I've noticed that, Co currently through readings I've done for the last 18 years, right? And I truly believe that Reese is not the soul of wrath, but I believe he is the reincarnation of an energy or a soul that needed to come for your husband and you as a gift from wrath. That's God, that's the universe going we are blessing you with this beautiful child as as a gift. And I just think that's just incredible.
1: Some weird things
0: have happened with
1: this pregnancy and Reese. So Patrick has his aunt Patsy passed away from breast cancer when she was quite young. Patrick always talked about her and all Patrick's dad and his friends all say like, Oh, Michelle reminds us of Patsy so much. And I always hear about Patsy. There's the weird thing where, uh, When he was a baby would go, we have this long hallway of books and he would, you know, toddle around and he wasn't even speaking and he'd just pull random books off the shelf. And there was a time during Christmas when he went and he pulled off this really old book and was carrying it around and we look at it and it was inscribed Merry Christmas from Patsy. Patsy.
0: That's her. That was her um, using your sign yes. as, as, a, as a sign to tell you, I'm here, girl. And, yeah. and I believe that you're guided into Pats' life because you are his soulmate.
1: It continues is yep. recently we've told Reese that mama's going to have another baby. Yeah. There's a baby in my belly. I yeah. don't know if it's a boy or a girl. I said, what should we name the baby? And he said, Patsy. The only reason I really think it might be a girl is because Reese, Reese doesn't know the name Patsy. We don't talk about Patsy to Reese. He has pulled that name like out of the ether and he's like, Patsy. And we've heard him say randomly, he'll be you know playing with his toys or something and he'll say, Patsy. We look at each other and literally we're like, did you hear that? Like, what, what's going on? And so I was like, Patrick, I think this might be a girl and Patsy has something to do with it. Or I don't know,
0: reincarnated aunt Patsy. I don't know. It's his guardian angel. He speaks to Patsy. The best gift we can give our children is showing them how to learn to listen to their intuition. Because even when they're 20 and 30 and 40 and, you know, they're doing their own thing, your intuition doesn't lie. And I'm not just talking about with your life purpose. I'm talking about like, I don't know, say your son goes, I'm going to this party with something in the back of his head and he's very already in tune with his intuition, says do not go, then he won't go. Or, you know, if something doesn't seem right, do not do it. Intuition is the best gift that we're born with. And you just got to um, keep like honing in that with him because it's already there. And it's there so well, clearly.
1: It's funny. My dad's grandmother was a fortune teller. Yeah. I don't know if I've told you this. My dad remembers being small yeah. and he had 10 siblings and they yeah. would be told like, Oh, you know, someone's at the house for a reading. You kids have to go play outside in the yard. And he remembers going outside and waiting for people to get readings. <laughs> and there's, there's like a, a crystal ball that has been passed around in our family. I've never seen it. I think my cousin has it. My dad told us when we were younger, my sister and I, he said, there's nothing more powerful than a woman's intuition. And you need to always trust your gut. If you park in a parking garage and you get a weird feeling, if you like listen to it. And so my sister and I were told that so many times as young girls to the point where we're like, okay, yeah, dad, whatever. And I do think it's so important because again, as you grow up, you lose touch with, with that. And a very strange thing happened with my son recently. We have a house in Charleston, South yeah. Carolina, and we were flying from Nashville to Charleston. Yeah. Patrick had to work, so he was going to take the, the night flight. I'm on yeah. the early morning flight with my son, Reese, and my daughter, Owen. And we're getting ready to go down on the plane. It's been an early, long morning. yeah. We start going down the jet bridge and Reese says, no mama, no, no, no. I don't want to get on the plane. Don't. I'm like, look at the plane. We're going to fly to South Carolina. He's like, don't want on the plane. Don't want on the plane. He starts freaking out. And I'm like, Oh, come on kid. Like I can't deal with this right now. Yeah. We get on the plane. He's freaking out. I get him calmed down. We start taxing on the plane and I hear this very weird noise. And I have flown so many times that I'm like, I was like, this is really making me nervous between my son's reaction and now this noise the plane is making. It sounded like we had a flat tire. And I turned to Owen who had her headphones in and I pulled her headphone out. And I said, I'm really actually starting to freak out. Like, I think something's wrong with our plane, the way Reese is reacting. And I was like, should I like ring the call button or something? And, you know, she's playing plants versus zombies and looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) We get on the runway. They announce that we're cleared for takeoff. The engines start revving and Reese starts freaking out. And he says, I I don't want the plane to take off. I don't want the plane to take off. The plane starts going down the runway and then it just starts, just keeps driving and it slows down and we drive immediately back to the terminal and we park and they say the right main brake is out on the plane. We all have to get off the plane. And some other passengers say, we rang the call button. Did you guys hear that weird noise? We rang the call button and told them something's weird. And we got off the plane and we're waiting to get on a new plane. The new plane arrives and my son looks at me and he goes, it's okay. We can get on the plane now. It's not broken.
0: <laughs> and Jackie, like, it's psychic. Your what? son is psychic. Reese, let, let Auntie Jackie talk to you. Why? Yes, mate. I told
1: Patrick, I was like, I think Reese just had a psychic moment because he really, he just specifically said, I don't want the plane to take off. He was really upset. And then he was fine when he got in the new plane. So it really was it's one amazing. of those moments where I was like,
0: hmm. Michelle, what's that's what's amazing. What's going on here? Do you know what? The indigo children that have been born, which is the generation of, of Reese and, and my children and yours, is that I've been told psychically that the children of this generation that are coming in are going to be even more evolved and more attuned. And I believe that is how our human involvement has to go. It has to go that way, right? Otherwise we're just going to be doing what we're doing to our earth. We'll have no earth by the time 500 years comes if we don't get it together. And I feel like all these kids are going to get it together and they're going to say, like, I really do believe this. save our planet, but they're going to, Put things in place that needs to happen because they're the ones that are going to have to take over when we leave. And I mean, yeah. so in- and it's going to be based off intuition and a knowing. That's what I believe decision process making is going to be based off. And your son, incredibly, is just so unaware with not being fearful about life and living in the moment as children do, he can feel the energy in the presence. And the fact that he's giving you this is just out of his world, like amazing. That kid is psychic
1: it'll be interesting to see right now. I'm just hoping he sleeps through the night and doesn't get <laughs> out
0: of preschool. So he <laughs> will Okay. moving go. on. I've got a few more questions. So to celebrate 20 years, you're recording your beautiful album, um, the spirit room. What was the process being like standing back in time and what made you want to do it? And do you have any other exciting projects that you're currently working on? But being pregnant takes <laughs> out a lot, man. So I know. Well, I'm like,
1: Well, I knew I wanted to do something special for the 20th anniversary for fans. Yes. Um, I'm a big Alanis Morissette fan. And I remember she did a special re-recording of Jagged Little Pill at the 10th anniversary, an acoustic version. And as a fan, I really loved it. And that idea stayed with me. So I knew I wanted to re-record The Spirit Room for the 20th. And The Spirit Room was named after my psychic granny, I have a picture of her in front of the bar called <sighs> the Spirit Room and that was my album name. But um it's been such a crazy process going back to these old songs cuz I was my daughter's age or younger when I wrote them and re-recording them having lived with these songs for yeah. 20 years has been it's been a trip. I hope that I hope that the people who love the original recordings as much as they do like the new twist on them. I'm releasing the first album or the original album on vinyl for the first time. let's oh, see. That's, so that's I, awesome. So it's going to be the Spirit Room on vinyl, the old version and the new version, double vinyl. So you'll have both that's versions awesome. to listen to. So that's coming out, I believe, in March. And then I have a new record that I recorded during quarantine with Patrick coming out after that. Hopefully, like, you know. I can't uh, wait. Late spring, early summer. So, yeah. You've got a lot of things have, going on, girl. Music coming out. Got a lot of things cooking. And of course, I was like, okay, I'm going to have another baby. On top <laughs> so of it. To figure out. I don't know how we're going to tour. My husband's going to be on tour next summer. I'm going to come a new to Australia. Album, so, <laughs> you need to come to Australia.
0: Make that happen.
1: I'm dying um, to.
0: Who is, do you, what do you reckon, is your dream artist that you'd love to work with? Or is there something in your bucket list that you'd love to do work-wise? Like, if you could work with anyone, past or present, who would be?
1: I have to say, I Stevie Nicks is up there as a hero. And I, I've had the chance. We shared a manager for a moment in time. And we've hung out. We've sang together. She lived up to all of my expectations and more. Um, so that was really a, a pinch me moment. But gosh, I mean, I will say being... 38 years old and I'm always writing music and yeah. it's always pulling me. It's such a big part of my identity because I've been doing it for so long. There's other things I want to do. It's just, it's about finding that something else that's creative to keep, you know, to keep it going when music, cause sometimes when I write records, it's like, it'll come all in kind of one piece and then yeah. I'm done with it for a minute and then I'll go months without writing. So it's just kind of about finding other things to be busy with. And I don't know what yeah. that is. And and so that's kind of my, maybe that's my midlife crisis of like approaching 40. I'm like, okay, ah. what am I? Gonna be doing with my time, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I love design, I love travel, I yeah. love food, I love all the things that everybody loves. But I think I'm gonna be kept pretty busy with my kids for a minute. So okay. we'll I can just. See.
0: you I reckon you'll open a restaurant. You'll uh, partner up with somebody. That's I've, al-
1: I've always, I've always wanted to. i
0: have just got some fun questions going to ask you. What's the song that you love so much that you wish you had written or thought of yourself? It'd be Stevie Nicks, wouldn't it?
1: No, actually, one of my favorite, favorite songs is Sheryl Crow's song. Are you strong oh, yeah, enough to, to be that. my man? Yeah. That lyric is just genius.
0: Because it's genius because you resonate with a girl because you were looking for that for so long as I was. <laughs> and look what's happened. You have manifested that, girl. What song turns you off the most, Michelle? What's the song that gets you moving? Oh, gosh, it, that
1: changes from day to day. I don't think it's any one song. My sister is like, she loves to dance and loves to go out dancing. And she, during the beginning of like 2020 lockdown and stuff, we were having these dance parties. I know, I know. I was you one. <laughs> and we were having the best time, but I, I don't know if I could pick one song off the top of my head right now. I will think of it you. at like two in the morning.
0: And you'll text me. What's the last TV <laughs> yeah. show you binge?
1: I love like English period dramas. If it takes place, especially in like the 1800s countries. in the England, I, I will binge all of that. Now, if this is the last question.
0: If you had endless resources and nothing else to do. What is it that you do with your time, not including material possessions?
1: I mean, I would spend time with my children yeah.
0: and my family. And on the beach.
1: <laughs> <And> on the <laughs> beach. that On the beach, hanging out with my family.
0: Did you have a slight issue with your cooktop um, stove? Yeah. That was your grandfather <laughs> and your grandmother and Patsy and Ralph. you got to tell Pat that. I love it. That was the okay, way of so. saying they're here. And your back's out too. You need a massage badge. I'm not joking because are telling think, me.
1: I was thinking of you the other day because you asked me if I had sciatica. Did I? My I don't remember asking And I you said that. no. The other day, like two nights ago, I was like, oh, my God. And something's definitely going on. With you my need to get You, right you now. need to um get
0: that looked at because it's on your right hand side. I can see it around your C V joint. And I actually feel that you will do another album. And I actually feel it's going to be with um a pop singer. I can see it. And it's somebody okay. very unexpected. No, and I feel like it might be Pat that introduces that to you at somebody at an awards party. But I feel like this person's gonna come in next year. It's not this year, because you need to have this child and do what you need to do. But I feel like Five months after this child's born. I reckon you're going back. No, I reckon, I know. You're going to go back into the music studio and you're going to write with a pop singer. It's almost like I'm looking at Jolipa. No, I serious. love
1: her. I'm such no, a I'm fan se- of her. I, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I
0: feel like uh, she loves some of your songs, Everywhere Being One of Them. Thank you for joining me on my show. Everyone should follow Michelle on Instagram. They'll be able to listen to your new release of The Spirit Room. I love you so much And I'm so happy for your life You deserve everything that's coming your way You too And thank you so much for taking time out of your day Because you are busy shining it up And I just feel like um, I feel really humbled and honored that you've come on And given your time Thank you, my love
1: I'm just so happy to see your face I'm so happy to see your (laughs) face too too. We need to FaceTime and say hi more often We're gonna shout it up
2: I hope you all enjoyed my chat with Michelle. She's just amazing. Thank you all for sending through your questions. So I'm getting a lot of questions of people. I'm getting a lot of emails and DMs from people asking for readings. Like right now, I'm not doing readings at the moment whilst I have the new babies and doing the podcast. But as soon as I have more reading appointments available, I will let you know. What you guys need to do is just subscribe to XOJH.com. And when I do open up some readings, an email will be sent out and it's first in best dressed. So right now I'm not doing readings, but, you know, it might change in a few weeks or next month or in five weeks. I might just say I'm ready to do some readings. So subscribe to XOJackie.com. I hope you enjoyed my podcast. Everybody out there, I want you to ask me questions, things you might want me to answer, rate and review my podcast, and tell me what you think. Love yous. We're going to shout it up. Thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Shine It Up podcast with me, Jackie Gillies. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and rate and review, which helps others find the podcast. For more, follow me on Instagram at Jackie Gillies TV and the podcast at Shine It Up underscore with Jackie Gillies. Shine It Up is proudly a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Special thanks to Rode Microphones for powering this episode.